Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along and thank God the expected flooding in Cork City didn't happen. A huge sigh of relief, uh, particularly to the businesses in Cork City who are all working flat out at the moment as the countdown to Christmas uh, continues. And I'm also told that the Dursey cable car will be operating as normal uh, today. There's no inspection required as the overnight winds didn't reach the level that we need a a post-storm inspection. So the Dursey cable car running as normal. John Paul taking your calls. Uh, Phones have already been busy this morning, so please bear with John Paul because he's uh, there in his own answering your calls. So patience, please, 1850-333-103. But of course, you can always text or WhatsApp uh, straight to me here in the studio, 0862-103-103. And just to update you, when we were talking yesterday about local books, and I literally just took three locally produced books to mention and we got a massive uh, reaction uh, to the books. Catherine's cookbook in particular people were really really interested in that But the and the other one was the Castle Magner Community Development Association and their book of memories which is just a delight, it's a big book it's a delightful book though, it's called When I Was About Knee High and just to let you know because when I was talking about it yesterday I didn't realise the reaction I was going to get and then we realised as we were chatting about it we didn't have a full list of where the book was was available and because they're all locally produced books you either have to get them directly from the author or you've got to get them in a local bookshop or in a, a local store so that book the Castle Magner book which has got memories what they did was they went out during lockdown and they spoke to older people in the area and they just got them to get any memory at all that they wanted to share the idea being that it would be written down and then it would be kept gorgeous Christmas present for this year but it would be there for future generations generations as well and stories and times that will be forgotten about if we don't put them into print and keep them so we can pass them on to future generations so that's the genesis of the book but it's lovely it really is lovely so it's available at two weeks super value in Canturk Canturk Books Shop which we mentioned yesterday they have it at Scully's Stationery Shop Murphy's Gala Shop and Phillips Bookshop in Mallow they also have it and from today I'm told Presence of Mind in Canturk will have it that's the book from Castle Magna Community Development Association when I was about knee at uh, high. 1850-333-103. And it just, we haven't spoken about this, certainly it hasn't come up this week on the programme. It was just when I saw it in the paper today, 
I said I'd give a shout out. I don't know what's happening with local masses in the area. I know we had a number of calls in, in last week and we were directing people to make contact with their local, if there is a parish office or if they can get through to a local parish priest, even though we didn't want the priest swamped with calls to see what was happening because we know if you are planning on going to mass on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you can't simply turn up because of the restrictions in the church. Any church that's deciding to have mass over Christmas, they're operating on a ticketed affair. You have to book your ticket and you have to bring your ticket with you as you go to mass. But I'm reading in the papers this morning that one parish in the sprawling diocese of Kerry have decided they're not going to have public masses at this Christmas instead all of their masses are going to be on uh, line. Now, obviously, that news is going to disappoint a number of people. But this parish, it's the parish of uh, Castle Island, uh, they feel the amount of people that will want to go to the church, they won't be able to accommodate all of them. Now, bishops all over the country have already spoken about the pressures of holding multiple masses. And they've also spoken about how they're leaving it up to individual parishes, whether they want to stream events online it's up to individual parishes what they decide to do and each parish I have to say is uh, different. Now when masses are going ahead in many, many churches across Kerry but they will be done under capacity uh, limits. So Castle Island Parish Priest Father Mossy Brick uh, said that the Parish Council has decided it would not be possible and he said it would be unfair to limit the numbers inside in the church. He said that the office work in sorting applications to attend and then rolling out some kind of a ticket or a booking system, he said it literally would have taken days and it would have taken a number of uh, staff. But he said the deciding factor for them, for both the parish council and himself, was the final Sunday before the six week shutdown that happened in October. The stewards were closing the church doors because obviously they would a limit. The 50 were in. And as they were closing the church doors, some of the church ushers encountered, one church usher in particular encountered three very disappointed neighbours and to have to, as an usher or a steward inside in church, to have to say to one of your very near neighbours it could even have been a family member, sorry there's no room at the inn for you you can't come in and to have to close the door I mean really really difficult on these people who at the end of the day are volunteers they're only helping the church uh, out and you know while everyone accepts including the priests themselves uh, virtual masses while they're impersonal but at least they're live I know it's in in an empty uh, church so they can be uh, very uh, effective and Father Mossy Brick was um, speaking on Kerry Radio this week and he said one man one man that he met recently was saying when he heard that he wouldn't be having a mass open to the public on Christmas Day and she'll have a great day now will you be spending the day in bed you won't need to get out of bed at all and he said that some people have the belief that the masses are pre-recorded and he said they're anything but they are live any of the ones that you watch from a local church they are being held uh, live and he said the parish was conscious of finishing the Covid journey without anything happening and he said he was you know fearful of large crowds gathering in a confined space that it could be a hotbed for the virus so the decision was taken they are going to live stream masses over Christmas they've been live streaming by the way all of the weekend masses they have been holding masses during the week public masses but at the weekends they've been going live streaming they haven't been having people into the church because they just realised after what happened at that last Sunday before lockdown they just don't want to put anybody in that position of having to say to somebody that you know know really well 
And as I say, it could even be a family member. Sorry, I can't uh, allow you in. And the Bishop of Kerry, Ray Brown, he make, has come out with a statement and he said the challenge of Christmas, uh, about the challenge of Christmas celebrations. And he explained that what they are doing in Kerry, and this has been reflected around uh, the country, a church that can seat more than a thousand people, so the bigger churches and the cathedrals, they are allowed to have between 100 and 150, it's still a very small number than the thousand that would have typically been packed to the rafters into that church. But then you go down to the smaller churches, say a church that can normally hold 400 people, they are going to be reduced to uh, 50 people at Masses on Sunday. So they're already accepting that even upping the number of Masses that they're going to hold, they still are not going to be able to facilitate everybody that say who went last year or everybody who might want to go to Mass on uh, Christmas uh, Day. Uh, so they're already saying if they can get to 50%, they reckon, they'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if they'll even manage to do uh, 50%. Actually, the Bishop of Kerry has suggested that maybe one family member could go and represent the family and that would ease the strain and it would also allow more family members to have one family uh, representative and the Bishop said that he also made it very clear and I think this is an important point when he's asking people to please just be understanding of what's going on in your parish church and he said please remember that some priests have pre-existing medical conditions so they're in a vulnerable group other priests are of a certain age they could be over 70 over 80 in some cases and they don't they want they don't want to be putting themselves at risk uh, either so let's not forget the priests in all of this as well so I give it out because I don't know how many local churches have opted to do that have opted to go virtual going to hold the masses online and how many have gone for the booking system and if those that went for the booking system have people been left disappointed have people applied and then applied too late to discover all the tickets are gone if you've a story to tell share it with us please lots and lots in the papers this morning obviously about the COVID-19 uh, vaccine and there's also reports that people who get the new vaccine will be given a certificate people have been talking about one stage about having uh, you'd have a COVID vaccine passport uh, well, it looks like the Irish government are seriously uh, looking at it. And if you have one of these vaccine certificates to say that you've been given the COVID-19 vaccine, it would mean that you would have fewer restrictions on your li- on your lives than, say, people who hadn't been uh, vaccinated. And a cert might be needed, for example, if you wanted to go to any kind of a social gathering, maybe like a concert, if you wanted to go to a football match, the All-Ireland final, whatever. If you had one of these vaccine certificates, it means you would be allowed in as opposed to people who don't have the vaccine not been uh, allowed in. Yesterday, of course, we had the launch of the National COVID-19 Vaccine Programme and the Minister Stephen Donnelly was asked about these COVID, these vaccine certificates and he said the certificates could could play a key role in the fight against coronavirus if the vaccine significantly reduces transmission of the disease. The certs are being considered for air travel in the EU already, but they may also be used to allow for greater attendance at anything where there's a mass gathering and it would only come in, obviously, once most people had been vaccinated. A government source said nothing has been ruled in, nothing has been ruled out in terms of how the certs could be used. But they did note that other countries have trialled using them for attending events. And this isn't a new uh, thing. Um, yellow fever for most countries where yellow fever has been an issue. And in order to go to those countries, you need to be vaccinated against uh, yellow fever and you need to prove it. And it's a th- thing called a yellow cert, I think it's called. 
abroad and that's been widely used for, for years and when you go to countries where they ask that you be vaccinated you can't get in unless you have your yellow search so they're saying it's going to be something similar with the COVID uh, vaccine the government is waiting to see the impact on the vaccination programme on the spread of the disease before it decides if and how certificates will be used in this country talks among EU member states are ongoing but already one international airline Qantas who flies in in and out of Australia and New Zealand they've already said they will require all passengers passengers who want to board a Qantas flight, they're going to have to have a certificate to say that they have been uh, vaccinated. Stephen Donnelly, our health minister, said he expected the use of vaccine certificates to evolve as more is known about the impact of the vaccines in the uh, coming months. Mr Donnelly also revealed the vaccination programme may may begin before the end of the year. That's if the European Medicines Agency clears the Pfizer vaccine. They, of course, the big news yesterday was the EMA uh, were due to have their meeting on the 28th of December, which meant rollout wouldn't happen until the new year. But they decided to bring forward that meeting by a week. They're now holding that meeting next Monday and that's the date where they're expected to give the rest of the EU the go-ahead to use the Pfizer vaccine. The rollout of the COVID vaccine may be set back though if there's another surge of the virus after Christmas and in the new year. The warning is sounded in a report of the high-level vaccine task force which said if we get a third wave, which some are saying is going to happen in January if everyone moves about at Christmas, they say that that would affect the speed at which the vaccine would be rolled out in the coming months. Now, of course, we know yesterday, sadly, it was reported we had eight deaths from COVID-19. The figures were 329. But the task force said if there is a third wave or another spike in uh, January, the rollout would suffer. The reason for it is the number of staff carrying out the vaccinations wouldn't be available and the high-risk groups, people in nursing homes, for for example, they're the ones that would, would need to be protected from uh, risk. Pfizer then, of course, obviously all eyes are on Pfizer. When they get the go-ahead, will they be ready to start handing out the Pfizer, start handing out the vaccine? They say the goal is to start the first shipment as soon as possible. They say that they would even do it within hours of receiving authorization from the European Medicines uh, age, age Agency. Once authorization and approval is given, they said they would be ready within hours to start rolling it out. And I know I heard this morning, the hope is that every European country would start the vaccination programme on the same day. So I imagine, you know, people are hoping that if it's the 21st, if it's next Monday, people are hoping shortly after Christmas Day that, that those days between Christmas Day and New Year, which is normally a kind of a week when nothing really happens, though that week now between Christmas and New Year could become really, really significant in this country and in other European countries. And it could be a week that we'll be talking about in many, many years to come, the week that we started the journey back and the recovery back from COVID-19. So Pfizer said they would be ready to uh, roll There was a briefing on the vaccine uh, programme yesterday. Professor Brian uh, McCarrick, he chairs the task force. He revealed that third level education institutions, they could be used as vaccination hubs. They're now looking at, once they get it, how they're going to roll it out. 
for example, the university in Limerick, UL was mentioned here in Cork, UCC was mentioned, Waterford IT, GMIT. They were all saying all of those campuses could be used to administer the vaccine. And then once the main at-risk groups are vaccinated and then when more vaccines become available, which will be throughout next year, starting in the early months. But, you know, it'll take many months and they'll be rolled out in batches. But once the asterisk groups, they're all vaccinated and then when they start to roll it out to the general population, the plan is that the there will be vaccination centres regionally where you could book to go in and, and have your jab. But then they're also saying that that's where GPs and pharmacists, they'll also be involved and they'll also start to play a role. But will be a few months down the line of from when we start giving vaccinations before the general population and before they need to have the vaccination hubs for the general population. But it looks like, fingers crossed, it'll be all systems go from next Monday when the EMA give the official go ahead. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your two. 211 Toyota. See McCrewmotors.com. Now, at this week's Cork County Council meeting, a suggestion was made as to what the Department of Justice could do with monies confiscated as a direct result of drug trafficking. To discuss this motion, I'm joined by Carrigaline Independent Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Ben. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well, and, and you're welcome. Now, when the Gardaí are, are indeed cab, confiscate money that was uh, accrued due to the sale of drugs. What happens to it at the moment? At the moment, uh, what the legislation is saying is that that money is paid into the Exchequer, so it goes into central government funding. And a group of independent councillors around the country uh, came together and we decided that, look, that money could be better spent in the communities. Um, There's groups out there such as community groups, addiction services, youth services, um, services for people, uh, older people in disability. Um, they could use the money much better. So what we're, what we're saying is that uh, we're asking the Minister to change the legislation to allow that money to be ring-fenced and for uh, these groups to apply for grants from that money and it can go back into addiction and community services. Yeah, I, I like the idea of it targeting addiction services. I mean, the, the aim then would be that the money that was acquired because of people getting involved in drugs and people whose lives were destroyed because of the sale of those drugs, those very people would be helped with the money. That, that's exactly the aim. And look, it was proposed by um, councillors Mayfior and Paddy McQuillan and Loud. Um, I said I'd bring it to, to Cork County Council for their support. It was passed Monday evening by Cork City Council, by uh, Councillor Thomas Maloney. And I suppose in Cork County Council, because of COVID-19, um, all the members couldn't come in on the motion. But um, between myself, Councillor Daniel Toomey, Marcia Dalton and the Mayor, Councillor Mary Lynn Foley, they gave their support in the day. And I had about 20 phone calls after from other councillors saying that they regretted they couldn't come in, but they were fully supporting it. So, look, it's, so I, it's gaining traction around, and it's gaining traction around the country, which is important. It is. It is. And I think it's a very easy win, Patricia. You know, there's groups out there crying, crying out for money. And I think to have a system in place where any money seized is ring-fenced and they can go in for grants, it would be a huge, huge lifeline for them. And there's even groups out in the streets, like in, in Carrigline and um, Homeless Drive. They meet there on a Saturday evening. They set up a, a table and give out food and clothes uh, to the homeless people. They're, they're the sort of groups they need the money, and they're the sort of groups that this money should be going to, to do good to, uh, out of the, the money that did bad, I suppose, to 
bring good yeah, 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 yeah. I think a lot of people will agree. Uh, would legislation be required to redirect the money? Um, it would, and you know, I got on to Michael Collins' TD about it, and he's going to look at it there in the new year. But look, I suppose we'd hope it, it would be a government-led thing. But I mean, if the will is there, it's a very easy thing to do. You know, if the will is there, legislation could be passed in two weeks if they need to be passed. But I think it's just, I think it'd be a great thing uh, for this term of the Rock just to, to push because I think it's such an easy win and it would be, make such a difference to community groups out there. So um, I, I'm hoping that if there's any uh, TDs or, or centres this week as well, that they'll take it up and they might consider bringing in a private member's bill um, with Michael Collins' TD and seeing if they can push this. But just out of interest, if it goes into central funds, as you say, is what's happening at the moment, does some of it not end up in addiction services and community groups? Because some, 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 of, some of it would yeah. be already trickling down. Some of it could trickle down, but look, when it goes into the central government pot, it could go anywhere, you know, it could go paying off government uh, debt, it could go to paying old age pensions, you know, uh, the health service, which which are all very good. But I think to have a specific fund, you know, there's millions seized every year um, from drug money and to have that ring fenced, I, I think it's, it, it'd be a fantastic idea. And it's they're, they're taking money that did bad and bringing it back into the community and using the money to do good. Would you want funds ring-fenced for the area in which it was confiscated or would you have a central pot of money? No, I, I think the only way this would work is it was a central pot okay. and that if it was given out uh, on the base, then an equal amount given to each county, I suppose, based on the population. But that would be all something to be worked out. But I think, look, if it's going to groups wherever they are in the country... We'd welcome that. Yeah. Okay. We'll keep a close eye on this. I think it's a, it's it's a good it's a, it's it's a good initiative. Uh, and just on a different topic, and as you've mentioned, uh, independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins, you've been involved with uh, Michael organising the cataract buses. Right. Do you still have patients travelling between now and the end of the year? Did you get extra buses? There's a bus going up on the twentieth, and uh, there's still people contacting me. Would you believe I had three phone calls since eight o'clock this morning? Um, one woman for a knee operation and two for cataracts. And uh, look, we're just trying to get them into Belfast. But I suppose, Patricia, I, I heard the interview there as well last week that you were doing. There, there's still no clarity. Uh, the Tarnish just stood up in the doll and he said that there's nothing in place as of yet. And I was speaking to the chief executive of the hospital um, a couple of days ago. He said they're still in a grey area as to whether they can accept um, referrals in the new year. So look, I, I think this really needs to be pushed. And I'm just pleading with any members of the government parties out there to please put a bilateral agreement in place so the service can continue. We have the longest uh, waiting times in uh, the south of the country, five years for cataracts. This really is too valuable to let go. And it's too much of a risk, isn't it, for for people? Because we know they have to pay up the money up front and then they claim it back from the HSC. Mm. It's possibly, it's, it can be costly as well for some people to, and many borrow the money from the local credit union yeah. who've been fantastic to facilitate people. But it's too much of a risk for people if they're, if they're unsure they're going to get the money back. That's it. And we have to have the certainty. And look, we wouldn't be comfortable referring anyone without the certainty because um, these are people without, usually without um, VHI or, or lay healthcare cover and they're people on the, the public list. And uh, look, they often go to credit unions and they do so on, on the basis that they'll be getting an X, X amount of that back from the HSE. Um, so look, we can't refer anyone without, um, without this guarantee. The hospital said they're very reluctant to accept anyone without this guarantee. But look, Patricia, like uh, myself and Councillor Danny Collins brought it up all Monday at the meeting in County Hall. And um, look, we're just very concerned. We're five minutes to midnight in this. Um, we're only a few days before the end of the year. We've no certainty. And even the mayor now, I must give her credit, Mary Lennon Foley, she really did come in behind this. And she uh, said that she would write to every Rockless member in Cork 
um, on this to plead with them to keep the scheme in place. And of course, all, all eyes are on Europe. We still don't know if we've got to break the deal or not, yeah. even though there seems to be some good news coming this morning. But you don't, you just don't know what way it's going to go. All right. OK, listen, Ben. Uh, and Patricia, just before I go there, Patricia, I just want to say, look, uh, I probably won't be on to before Christmas. Okay. That nice Christmas. But uh, look, I think huge credit to yourselves and County Sound. Um, you know, when the pandemic there came in, we were in a very uncertain time. People were very fearful. And in fairness, you did your best. You got the information out there to people. And you were a great source of information, people. It's just well done to you. Oh, that's kind of you to say that. Listen, happy Christmas to you. We'll speak again in the new Have year. Have a good Christmas. And you Thanks too. Take sure. care. Bye-bye. That bye is bye. Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan uh, from the Carrigaline area. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See com. And as we mentioned at the top of the programme, thankfully the, we didn't have the flooding that we thought we were going to have in the city and high tide uh, passed, thankfully, and the city is open for business. I've just been told high tide has also passed in Bantry. There was minor flooding for one property affected and the council staff and the fire service were on the ground uh, pumping the water uh, away. So thankfully uh, everything OK in Bantry. But just to let you know that Bantry is very much open for business this morning. 1850-333-103. Now, Gardaí are warning young people about a dangerous TikTok challenge called ghosting. And to tell us what it's about, I'm joined by Inspector Alan Cullen, who's based at Henry Street Garda Station in Limerick. Good morning to you, uh, Alan, and you're welcome to the programme. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Firstly, can you just explain how did this ghosting challenge, how did it first start? What do we know about it? Well, at 7.30pm on Saturday evening last, a Garda patrol came across what they believed to be a traffic accident. And it's only as time went on, they realised that a girl in her mid-teens had been lying in the middle of the road, effectively, under a sheet. And that this is the actual phenomenon that ghosting is, that people lie in the road under a sheet, and at the last second when there's a car coming, they pop up. All of this has been recorded. And the idea is to record the driver's reaction. Now, the young lady in question had a very lucky escape on Saturday evening last in the sense that she didn't time her exit very well and wound up being struck by the car. My God. Um, She had to be taken to hospital uh, with injuries to her torso, uh, her hip and ankle. So it's nothing short of miraculous that she wasn't killed. But I'm happy to say that her injuries would be classified at the lower end of the scale they're minor injuries and she will make full recovery. Now following this particular incident we would have done a little research ourselves and it would appear that ghosting first featured as far as we can determine in the United States in May of this year where they would have been doing the very same thing that happened on Saturday night last and there's references on social media to ghosting as well in the UK in November. Now we're not aware of any other incidents that have been reported to the Gardaí, but there would seem to be some references to it on social media. But as I say, while those incidents are very few and far between, they weren't reported to the Gardaí. So this is the only actual formal ghosting incident that we're investigating at the moment. 
Yeah, and I think it, when it initially started, it was done as, as a joke to frighten people, say, in a house where you jump out from behind a sheet, you know, inside in somebody's living room and somebody yeah. was, was filming it. But they, it's been taken to the next level now of lying in the middle of the road. It's the utter stupidity uh, of it. I mean, and the reason it's been highlighted and, and that your good self is talking about it as well, uh, Alan, is to get parents need to talk to their children because it seems to be mainly teenagers. That's correct, Patricia. It seems to be both here and elsewhere, it seems to be confined to teenagers. Now, as you can imagine, in our everyday work, unfortunately, we have to deal with fatal traffic collisions from time to time. And I, I know firsthand myself that when a person is struck by a motor vehicle, the injuries are generally horrific and catastrophic. To say that this is dangerous will be putting it mildly. It's highly, highly dangerous for the person on the road, obviously, but it could also cause a driver to take avoidance action and maybe collide with another car. It's, it's like playing Russian roulette. The consequences are unimaginable. What are the implications, Alan, for motorists? I mean, if, if, you, if you injure someone, I mean, who's responsible? Well, ultimately, every traffic collision is investigated as a standalone incident. So it's very hard for me to give a yes or a no answer as to who's responsible. But there is a process with the investigation of traffic accidents, especially where somebody is seriously injured or if they're killed. I mean, there would be a full investigation carried out, including... Um, the assistance of a forensic collision investigator and a file will be sent to the DPP. So there is a process, as I say, it's very thorough and very fair and it's not the case that anybody would be prosecuted in the wrong or blamed in the wrong mm. or anything like that. Oh my God, Alan, to have to live live with that if you did know that you killed somebody, even though it would be, wouldn't be in any way your fault, but trying to live with that, it's a very difficult thing. And again, we, we see it all the time with fatal traffic accidents where the driver, even if they're 100% in the right, I mean, it, it has a terrible effect on them moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine where something like that happened. A man um, stumbled out in front of him and, and he ended up uh, dying. And, and I, my, honest to God, my friend never really got over it. He's, to this day, he's still affected by it, even though, you know, he, the family of the gentleman who died came and said to him, we don't hold you responsible. But it's just as dreadful. It really is dreadful. And the, somebody doing the ghosting, can they be fined, Alan? Well, ghosting, in my view, would fall under the offence of endangerment. Yeah. So, yes, technically speaking, there's no reason why they couldn't be prosecuted. Obviously, if it's somebody that's under the age of 18 years of age, they could be considered under the Guardian Youth Diversion Programme or something like that. But it is illegal. OK, so the message is talk to your young people and, and try to get through to them. Just how stupid and how how utterly dangerous uh, this is. OK, uh, Alan, listen, thank you for that. 
And thanks, Thank for jo- thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Inspector Alan Cullen, who joins us from Henry Street, Garda Station, as I say, which is a new challenge that we were unaware of until this week. It's a TikTok challenge called Ghosting. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We have been getting calls from various parts of the city and county about people worried about letters and cards and parcels not arriving and what's going on with them post and why are there so many delays and cards taking a week or more to arrive. So we got on to Unpost uh, this morning and can I just say I'm not in Anyway, critical of the local postmen and women who are working flat out. I mean, they really are. And I don't know if there's any kind of a bonus scheme in place for the postal staff, but I really hope that they are in for some kind of a bonus and some kind of a thank you. I know they pick up their week's wages or their monthly wages but they definitely deserve some kind of a bonus at the end of the year this year for sure. But anyway, we got on to on post just if they could tell us What's happening with delays and, you know, how long can people expect for cards and parcels to arrive? And also we asked about the closure of the Little Island Mail Centre and was that now having a knock-on effect? And Post have come back and said, certainly, things are taking longer than normal. But they point out these are not normal times. They say we're handing 3.3 million parcels a week. Figures they say that we have never seen before. They say there are no particular issues in Cork where like everywhere else in the country staff are literally working around the clock to get mail delivered. The closure they say of the Cork Letters Centre, not the issue. It's rather the sheer number of parcels that they are dealing with. So basically their message to everybody is to have a little bit of uh, patience. I mean you absolutely can forget next day delivery. That certainly uh, isn't happening. But for just for people if you've got items in the in the post and I know I'm certainly keeping a track on cards that I've sent that went out last Saturday week and only yesterday I found that one of them had arrived there's still a bundle of them to arrive and then mail going out of the country I think it's getting out of the country but what's happening is is when it gets to other countries because of course it isn't just the postal service in Ireland that's under pressure because of the pandemic the postal service in every country is under huge uh, pressure I certainly have some parcels I'm starting to get a bit worried about that have gone to loved ones overseas and they haven't arrived yet. And you know what's always really sort of you question, you think, how is that happening? Like I posted two weeks ago two parcels on the one day to go to England. One of them has arrived and one hasn't. And then a week later, I sent another parcel and that one has arrived. But one of my first parcels from the first weekend hasn't arrived. And you're starting to worry and think, oh, is it, is it not going to get there at all? You know, and you, and, you, and you just, and you, more than anything, you want to make sure that it gets there in time for Christmas. So patience, I think, is what the imposter is saying to for each and every one of us but as I say in no way is anyone critical of the postmen and postwomen who are really working so so hard at the moment and we've huge respect for them Feed Cork in Bandon you know Feed Cork they have been feeding people in Cork City now for a, a number of years and then a few weeks ago they opened up a service for people in Bandon surrounding areas and into West Cork they tell us that they are open this Thursday between 3 and 4 in the afternoon. If there's anybody in the West Cork area, any family, any individual in need of food, 
please make an appointment by calling or texting 089 264 2278 or you can message them on Facebook the Facebook is just Feed Cork they're working out of the town hall in uh, Bandon around the back it's on the lower floor when you get to the town hall go around the back and you'll be able to follow the signs they're asking people to please bring their own shopping bags with them and obviously you do need to wear a face covering and social distancing and all of that but you literally between 3 and 4 on Thursday you'll go along to the town hall pick up your items and away you go and it's all done very quiet very privately and they're a wonderful wonderful uh, organisation so to anybody in the Bandon area if you are in need of food please please reach out help is available 089 no questions asked 089 264 2278 but you need to call or text them on that number to book an appointment they'll give you a time to come and then just be ready on Thursday and they let you know the time between three and uh, four. Good luck to everybody in Feed Cork. They do mighty work. Dennis and Liscarrel was on to us to say second day in a row that they've no water in Liscarrel village. We've contacted Irish Water to see what's going on. They say they're currently investigating reports of a supply disruption to Churchtown Mallow and the surrounding areas. And we've asked Irish Water to look into it to see that the supply disruption to Churchtown would that be affecting Liscarrel as well so we're awaiting a response to just to let people know in Liscarrel you don't need to contact us we're aware that you are without a, out water we're trying to find out what's going on there now a number of people have contacted us following on from the interview I did in the last hour with Inspector Alan Cullen from Henry Street Guard Station in Limerick about this new uh, phenomena is probably the wrong word utterly dangerous TikTok challenge called ghosting and it's a prank it started out as something funny and scaring people on TikTok but now young people have decided to take it to the next level and it involves somebody lying in the middle of the road with a sheet over them hence ghosting and then it causes an oncoming coming car to stop obviously you, you imagine driving along a road and suddenly you see a body lying out in front of you with a sheet over them. Obviously the driver stops because those the car to see what's going on and then what happens is the person, the young person jumps up, gives the driver a fright and then runs runs away and the reaction of the driver has been filmed by somebody else and the, the idea behind it is that that young person then will upload it onto social media in the hopes that it'll go viral and she won't it all be a great laugh and of course it was a great laugh until one young person judged, misjudged the jumping up before the car stopped and ended up having to be taken to a hospital and actually spent several days, I'm told, requiring a treatment. It was minor injuries to her back, her torso and her ankle. Uh, but she ended up having to uh, go to hospital and spend several days in hospital. What a waste of a hospital bed, says I. Some of your thoughts on this the poor drivers, the dopes doing the ghosting, they should be simply locked up, says this texture. And we and the unfortunate drivers, says somebody else, then could be held responsible for these so-called victims. This is just pure blackguarding. Society needs a good kick up the rear end. Someone else says, maybe ghost the ghosters with a night locked up. Stupid idiots. It is the planet's worst illness. Stupidity. Pat says, morning Patricia, the ghosting was started because of a film of the same name, Ghost. Was it? It's not obviously the old 
Patrick Swayze movie, the ghost movie that we loved. I must check, look into that, Pat. I was unaware there was a movie out called, called Ghost and they're picking it up from uh, that. And then, hi Patricia, when will people stop pussyfooting around idiots and make idiocy a crime? There is no attempt to encourage personal responsibility. It's always the other fella's fault. If you don't want to fall foul of a situation, then don't please put yourself into that situation in the first place. People need to be taught this across the board in their lives, whether it's with booze, with sex or with person financially or media wise. People need to take responsibility for their own welfare. It's always the it's all it isn't always the other person's fault how right you are but my big worry about the ghosting and that's what I touched on when I spoke with Inspector Alan uh, Cullen it's a kind of a grey area at the moment as to who is responsible if you actually hit somebody and you're taken to court you still have to go to court and if God forbid somebody got killed because of it it would just you'd have to live with that for the rest of your life even though you know it was, wasn't your fault at all and you'd have all the ensuing court case and all of that it's just as dreadful it is absolutely uh, shocking and you know as the Gardaí saying extremely irresponsible and it is posing a very se- serious danger to those taking part in the ghosting and to the motorists as well and then some reaction to churches when I mentioned what's happening in Kerry and the Castle Island Parish Priest has come out saying they've made the decision along with the Parish Council that they are not going to hold masses that will be open to the general public on Christmas Day. They're putting them online instead. Some of your commentary in on uh, this. Somebody wants to know, and if anybody can give us clarity on this, what's the story with choirs in churches. This listener says one church in the North Cork area are planning on having a choir and musicians over Christmas with 17 people or more involved. Um, listener saying how can they keep their distance and obviously they have to sing, they have to take their masks off uh, to sing. I'm surprised to hear that because if they're 17 and I don't know what size church it is, I mean if it's a church that can only hold 50 people then 17 will be made up of the choir. Um, so that 17 will have to come out of the 50. I'm, I'm really surprised to hear that. Is anybody else hearing about that, that there are choirs in churches this Christmas? I'd be interested uh, to hear if anybody knows about that. Jim says, talking about the closing of that church in Castle Island that you mentioned uh, it, and the fact that the, the main reason they decided to go with it was the stewards on the last Sunday before we went into the October six-week lockdown were closing the door and there was three neighbours trying to get into the church and they had to say no to them because the church was full and the implications of that. Uh, Jim says, to hear of the church door being closed, it reminds Jim of a, a scene from the field when Bull McCabe said, the only time the church doors were closed was the time of the famine. And Jim says, I suppose these are similar hard and uh, strange uh, times. Well, certainly are strange times. I don't know if they're as hard as they were during the famine. Uh, Jim, having watched that famine programme that was on for the last couple of weeks. But yeah, we certainly are living in very strange times. And then Margaret says there's no tickets needed for masses in Mallow over Christmas. And they seem to be putting on a huge amount of masses at the two churches in Mallow. Margaret says the Christmas Eve mass, there, uh, Christmas Eve mass, three five, seven and nine in each church and then Christmas Day Masses as for Sunday 10 and 12 in the Church of the Resurrection and half eight and 11 in St Mary's. That's a lot of Masses going on in uh, Mallow and Margaret says they are you don't need to have 
tickets for it. And Anne in Ballantempa says people should stay home this year and watch the Mass online. And the people who can't should be able to watch it. It will be on TV. It's saving lives. Kind regards. And I think a number of people will opt to do that. And again, it's personal responsibility if people feel comfortable about going into a church and can get a ticket or can get into a church that you don't need a ticket. People will do that. But there also will be other people who will feel safer and will prefer to be at home and either watch Mass and there will of course be Mass on the TV. They do they do midnight mass, don't they, on the on the TV on RTE every year? It's because it's normally on in the background. I normally see it. It's it's usually lovely because I love to hear the hymns. I love the hymns at midnight mass. It's uh, it's there's something particularly nice about it. And Morris on a completely different topic says I'm sick for I've. Uh, from listening to Sinn Féin on about the health service in this country. Look at the mess that's happening up north where they are in government at the moment. Yesterday they were treating people in the ambulances in car parks in in the north. It's it's disgraceful. Your heart would have to go out to anybody working in hospitals or anyone who falls ill in Northern Ireland at the moment. But what you have to add to that, I mean, it's the time of the year where all hospitals in this country both north and south come under pressure and people are on trolleys and there's you know people waiting to get onto wards but Northern Ireland have been hugely affected by the COVID cases so they're battling with these massive number of COVID cases and their numbers are almost on par with ours when we're calling out numbers every day sometimes they're even a little bit higher than they are in the south but bear in mind they have a quarter of the population we have here so you know when you hear their deaths you can multiply it by four as to what it would be if we had the same level of COVID down the south and the same with the numbers that they announced multiplied by four that's how many new cases we would be getting if we had the same level of COVID cases as they're experiencing in Northern Ireland so obviously it's putting huge huge pressure on hospitals but yes Yesterday, Morris's right was particularly bad in Northern Ireland, even though I did hear this morning that it's eased a little and they're not treating anyone in ambulances. They've got a huge number. They're waiting on trolleys to try to get onto the wards. Uh, your hearts would go out to them for sure. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103-JOBS. And we start with the HGV Mechanic. It's wonderful country clean recycling there in the Ballygown area just outside of Mallow. They're also looking for a general operative that's required for truck washing. Reliance Precision, they're looking for a quality engineer and a full-time CNC turner. While Hamilton French, they're looking for a ground worker from Mallow experienced with concrete and shuttering references are required in Alps and Mill Street they are recruiting at the moment for general operatives you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see mccroommotors.com Customers who stick with their current insurers for a long time end up paying the highest price. That's according to an investigation by the Central Bank. Peter Boland for the Alliance for Insurance Reform uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. Peter, is this now clear evidence that customers are actually being punished for their loyalty? It is, 100%, Patricia. And, uh, like, it's, it's important to note that when we talked about this first, which is about three years ago now, there was no data such was so it was very hard to to establish what exactly was going on in insurance and we've had so many calls from motorists saying i can't believe what's happening i'm with the same insurer for seven eight nine ten years and my premium just keeps going up 
And what we now have is clarity about precisely why, because essentially what Central Bank has said in its report this week is that the majority of insurers penalise loyal customers and that when they do, there are significant differences in prices um, and that those with the, as they said, the longest tenure, in other words, the ones that have been with an insurer the longest are the ones who get penalised the most. Um, and so it's all, so it's almost like the insurance company know that there are a cohort of people. The premium will land on, in their in email box or through the post box, and they know oh, these people are going to pay regardless. Should just add on an extra bit there. Yeah, and it, it, it's probably more difficult than that in the sense that y- you have people who are vulnerable, uh, maybe older or don't have uh, broadband. Uh, which is critical when you're shopping around on insurance, uh, and it just don't have the wherewithal uh, to actually shop around. And so we're kind of like fish in a barrel, to be honest with you. So the, the the big issue about this is that it's not about rewarding new customers. So say, for example, if you go looking for a new phone, Patricia, um, you will get plenty of phone companies who will give you a discount for the first year yeah. uh, to get you on board. And then it's acknowledged that the price goes up to the regular price after that. That's not what this is about. And, you know, that's fair competition. What this is about is tracking down loyal customers and penalising them uh, and using data to do that. So to give you a quick example, say on motors, because the report applied to both home insurance, which is a real problem, uh, and motor insurance. So say on motor, you had two people on the same road. Uh, They're the same age, uh, identical cars, similar usage, and they're looking for motor insurance. Um, but the first one has broadband and shops around regularly and switches regularly. Uh, they're paying on average €686 Euro for their insurance, which is about the national average at this stage. Like, it's still savagely expensive, but it is the, the national average. But next door, their neighbour is less tech-savvy, uh, doesn't, for whatever reason, or can't search by uh, using the internet. Uh, and so... Research is a hassle. They either have to phone up individual companies uh, or uh, go around to their, their physical offices. So they're far less inclined to move. They stick with the same insurer and their average motor insurance premium is €875. Euros. So there's virtually a €200 euro difference between the switchers and the loyal customers. That's incredible. That, that that really is incredible. So this is nothing to do with competitiveness. It's just identifying vulnerable customers and charging them more. That's exactly what it's about. That's just... Yeah. Now, and it has to be... It's very important to note on this. We're either legally or morally obliged to have insurance. So this is not a, this is not a normal product. Yeah. Um, and the state has heightened obligations in terms of the way that it protects consumers. Um, so... Unfortunately, from our perspective, state supervision uh, when it comes to insurance over the last number of decades has been found wanting. Um, So we would welcome the central bank report if it was a sign of genuine willingness by the state to take on what are essentially very powerful multinational companies in the insurance sector. But the big concern from our point of view is that we've had plenty of promises. We've seen plenty of reports on insurance and insurance reform, and there has still been no meaningful reform. So the the big question is what happens next? Now, there are a couple of timelines already in place. 
The Central Bank have said that that's only their interim report yeah. and that we should wait for a final report to be published. Uh, uh, they've said that that final report will be published in 2021. Now, that could be in three weeks' time, Patricia, or it could be in 12 months' time. So there's a very big difference because for uh, policyholders who are already hard-pressed, can't be waiting around this long. Um, and so we're calling on the Central Bank to move this very quickly in order to allow government to take action. And there is a plan B on this because we're aware, um, because he's announced it, that Pierce Doherty of Sinn Féin uh, has draft legislation in this area uh, which will ban dual pricing. And I gather that's been published sometime this week. Yeah, because the listener says, hi Patricia, uh, when are the government going to do something about the rip-off daylight robbery uh, of clients by insurance company? My renewal policy has jumped by €200. Euro. I've had no claims. I think this is daylight robbery. Now there's an example of somebody who needs to shop around. Isn't there? Oh, 100%. Like, insurance is expensive in this country, but if you stick with the same insurer, then you're bringing it on yourself because you will get penalised for your loyalty. And I think it's also a timely reminder, as you say, particularly older people who might be tech savvy or may not have uh, broadband. And I'd be aware of people listening to us in very rural areas who don't have broadband. But there could be other family members could jump in for them and, and help them out. Speak oh, to your older parents and find out what they are paying. Listen, getting your, getting your renewal on insurance is a hassle because there's plenty of data to be filled in. But when you've done one, uh, it's a lot easier to do the second, third and fourth uh, and of course, you've got brokers as well all over the country who are well able to get quotes from uh, from a number of different insurers. So there are options on this, but the 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 only option that is just not tenable is sticking with your existing uh, insurer because they have systems in place to make sure that you will get penalised for that. And while lots of people talk about the car insurance and how expensive it is, you say that this dual pricing is is in on home insurance as well. Oh yeah, the figures are even more shocking on home insurance. So home insurance is one that people just do not want to talk about. It is such a hassle. Uh, they they resent it naturally enough. It's a it's a, a distressed purchase in that it's something that you really do not want to have, and it feels like you're handing over uh, good money after bad. Um, so very little attention is paid to it and very little attention, according to the Central Bank report, is paid to renewals coming in because uh, there are even steeper differences on home insurance uh, when it comes to loyal customers versus switchers. So a New Year's resolution for everyone, you can save money if you put the time into uh, shopping around. And uh, I can see lots of people are saying, you know, yet another report. And does anything ever change? What needs to be done and what can the government do, Peter? Okay, so where we are right now, Patricia, is that we've been seeing report after report over the last number of years, and particularly the the big cost of insurance working group report, the the first of which was published at the start of 2017, and promised a a, a brave new world when it came to insurance in Ireland, and really didn't deliver. It ended up just delivering a whole load of meetings, consultations, and additional reports. Um, Something a little bit different this time, we hope, in that we have a cabinet subcommittee chaired by the Taunister, uh, Leo Varadkar, and including the bulk of the senior manis- ma- uh, ministers who are involved in this area. Um, and uh, we would expect that that group, who have hung their hat on this issue of insurance reform, uh, would get a move on. Uh, they've put together an action plan. 
in one way you can dismiss it as being just another plan or just another document or just another report. Um, but the timelines on it are very tight um, and everything on it is scheduled to be done by either uh, June of next year or December of next year. And um, we would be holding them to account. I would expect that policyholders uh, would hold them to account as well. Um, the senior ministers on that include Michael McGrath, uh, as well as uh, Pascal Donoghue, uh, Helen McEntee and Roderick O'Gorman. And we would expect that there will be unrelenting pressure from policyholders to make sure that they get these over the line. Um, so th- there is potentially some light at the end of the tunnel, but I certainly don't want a situation where we're talking together in another 12 months' time and it turns out that it was just another false dawn because there's been plenty of those. Absolutely. OK, Peter, we will talk again in the meantime. Thank you for that and happy Christmas to you. Many happy returns. And we'll talk again in the new year. God bless. Uh, take care. That is uh, Peter Boland from the Alliance of Insurance Reform. And he's right. I've been speaking with that man for the last number of years since that group was set up and nothing seems to change. And we just keep, keep our insurance just seems to go up and up and up. As somebody was saying to me only last week when they got their car insurance in and it had gone up again and couldn't understand it. And it was, he was making the point that he barely drove the car for a large portion of this year because he ended up working from home and uh, so the car was barely out of the driveway and he said he thought if anything that the insurance companies there was less traffic on the road surely there was less accidents he thought that at least the premium would be the same if not a little bit lower than it was last year and he was shocked to see that the premium had gone up so the and if you are loyal to a company you are getting charged more but I think when I looked into this investigation to see it coming out from the central bank this isn't you know people who are just against insurance talking out you know speaking out about it this is the central bank saying the evidence is there that you are being penalised for your loyalty which really really is shameful and Eleanor makes a good point her contract was up with her electricity supply a company and she decided that she was going to shop around and we keep giving the advice on that. I mean on all of your utilities shop around and you can certainly get uh, better deals. Anyway, she decided to shop around but she got on to her the existing utility company she's with because they had an offer on for new customers but obviously she was a new co- customer and she ran them up and said look I'm thinking of changing because you know there's good offers for for new customers for with other utility companies and I'm just wondering could you do anything for me before I actually make the switch and they said yeah no problem and she got 200 euro off she said she stayed with them in the end and uh, she, but she said it is worth shopping around and you can do that with your phone you can do it with your, your TV as well and I actually know a family member a number of years ago was was a great advocate for shopping around on premiums and all of that but she just particular time she just didn't have the time to shop around on car insurance and when her car insurance came in, came in again the premium had gone up so she just rang them up and said just to let you know I'm leaving because I've you know I've rang around I've done all the investigation into it and I can get it um, cheaper and the person on the other end of the phone the, her insurance company said how much cheaper are you getting it by she said oh I've got another company that's giving to me 100 euro cheaper than your premium and they said we'll knock 110 off your premium and she had done nothing she hadn't picked up a phone and uh, she said she was one very happy customer Customer. 1850 But let the message go out loud and clear to shop around in your car insurance, shop around on your house insurance. And please be aware of older family members who maybe don't have the ability to do that. 
help them out or send them to a broker, send them to somebody else who can actually save the money for them. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Now, the O'Driscoll brothers from West Cork will embark on a gruelling 180 kilometre cycle across the county to raise funds for the Society of St Vincent de Paul this Saturday. Brian O'Driscoll joins me with all of the details. Good morning to you, Brian. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, it's yourself and your brother, Kevin, who will be doing the cycle. Which, who came up with the brainwave to do this? Yeah, that's right. So it's myself and my older brother, Kevin, and... Um I suppose it was kind of between the two of us that we came up with the idea to do it. Um, usually our background this time of the year, even with the GAA, but of course with the year that was in it, um, that wasn't wasn't happening as much this year, which left us with a bit more time on our hands. Uh, so we turned our attention to cycling for the year. Yeah, of course, you're, you're the Driscoll brothers. You're well known for your GAA uh, skills. But have you been long cycling? To be honest, I only bought my bike in uh, in June last, and I think Kevin had his maybe for a few months longer. So, okay. really speaking, we're we're quite inexperienced on the bikes, but okay. uh, you know we find it enjoyable, and it it's just it was something to get us through the year and keep us fit and healthy. So it filled the gap for us this year more than anything. Yeah, but you would be with the GAA background, you're you're fit lads for sure. But what's the longest cycle you've ever done to date? So the longest cycle we've done to date would have been last Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, we did 130 kilometres, uh, give or take. And how did that um, go? Yeah, it was, it was good. It was tough. It was enjoyable. Um, I suppose we were really just we were trying to get miles into the legs over the last number of weeks to, to try and prepare ourselves as best we could for Saturday coming. Um, and I suppose we have been lucky in that we have friends who are into cycling and um, they kind of showed us the ropes and, you know, maybe lint us bits and pieces that we wouldn't have had ourselves. So, so they, they've been great to us. And uh, they've kind of showed us the ropes and helped us along. So what's the plan for Saturday? What time do you leave and where do you leave from? So the plan for Saturday is we're starting at, at the Mizzen Head on, at 7.30, okay. uh, 7.30 Saturday morning and hoping, all going to plan, that we should be finished in Kilbehany on the Cork Limerick border hopefully before 5 o'clock on, um, on Saturday evening. So just about getting it all in in daylight hours? Just about and... and probably won't have daylight for the first maybe the first hour and possibly the, the last half an hour but uh, we'll have a support vehicle with us and we'll have plenty of lighting and visibility so we, sh- we should be okay Okay you are bringing support with you Absolutely yeah. um, my parents organised to, to drive a jeep with us and they'll have Great. all the accessories that we need and different bits and pieces so hopefully we should have all bases covered Because you'll stop along the way for food and, and fluids and stuff will you? We will, we will. We're planning three stops. So we're planning to stop in uh, the Manway first, which will be after the first 65 kilometres. And then we're planning to stop in Lissarda after another 30. And the final stop then will be in Mallow with about, I think, 30 kilometres to go at that stage. Yeah, it's, it's, got, it's going to be tough. It will, it'll be tough, it'll be gruelling. But um, I suppose myself and my brothers have always had a kind of competitiveness between us, so it can spur us on, and I'm sure... But if one of us is struggling a little bit, the other guy will drag him along as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's all going to be for a great cause um, in St. Vincent de Paul. And we've been quite taken aback with the support that we've received through our GoFundMe to date. Um, so 
please God, the donations will, will keep coming in and we'll raise as much as possible for, for St. Vincent de Paul. And God knows, Brian, St. Vincent de Paul, their funds have really been hit this year. And they have indeed, and I suppose that was one of the reasons that we decided on doing it for St. Vincent de Paul. Um, we were kind of made aware through, through media that they were struggling for funds. And of course, if we had the ability to help them out in any way we could, we said we would. So that's why we decided on that charity. Yeah, well done. Okay, so explain to people how they can donate. So currently we have a GoFundMe set up. Um, it's on all of our social medias, myself and Kevin's social media. And alternatively, people can go on to the GoFundMe homepage and from there they can cycle our, our cycle or they can search our cycle title, which is Cycling Home for Christmas. That'll bring them to the page where they can donate to, to our charity cycle. And how and you say you're doing well so far? Just before I uh, came on air with you this morning, we had raised 4,848 and that was over the course of the last seven days. So please God, over the coming days, we'll add a little bit more to that and hopefully people will, will, will keep giving generously and it's much appreciated. That's incredible, some of money. Were you, were you expecting to get that much? I suppose when we set out, we weren't entirely sure what we would raise, but I, I don't think between the two of us we were expecting that we'd, we'd, we'd end up with this sum of money. But it just goes to show, I suppose, how generous people are and how willing people are to give when the cause is the good one. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, everybody everybody knows the work of of uh, Vincent Paul for sure. And just what about the, the All-Ireland final? Will you be back in time for that? I was just discussing that with JP before I came on air and uh, the plan is to be finished. All going all going well. But uh, hopefully we catch some of it on the television after somewhere, yeah. <laughs> Have you maybe bring a little have some earbuds in and you might be able to listen to it? Are your parents can keep you informed? Yeah, well, you know, we'll, if we don't see it live, we'll we'll be sure we we catch a recorded version somewhere. But please God, we'll be finished in time for it. Who are you backing for the win? I suppose it would be hard to look past up, but uh, I think everyone agrees that it's going to be a competitive game and you know may the best team win yeah absolutely and I've just got John Paul to check out the weather forecast because the weather's going to be important for you guys on Saturday and it's sunshine with showers uh, it'll be cloudy for a lot of the day with temperatures around uh, 9 degrees so that's not too bad that's not, too, a, bad. That's not I, too bad I suppose the most important thing in terms of cycling is the wind and the wind is southwesterly which means that we won't be facing into it at any stage, thank God. <laughs> Keep the wind behind you, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Listen, listen, we wish you the best of luck. It's terrific what yourself and uh, Kevin are, are doing. Good luck with it. And uh, we hope you raise lots of money for Vincent de Paul because it's a great charity. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us. Thanks very much. Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Brian O'Driscoll uh, there. If you see them along the road on Saturday, heading right across uh, the county, give them a little bit of a toot. But the most important thing is is to donate to their GoFundMe uh, page through any of their social media pages because all of the money raised going to uh, St Vincent de Paul. On insurance, uh, this is a good point. Why is it, says this texture, are we the Irish, the only ones in Europe who can't get insurance outside of Ireland? If you live in Anywhere else in Europe, you can shop around the rest of Europe. So if you're living in Germany, you could go to a French company for your insurance. If you're in Italy, you could go to a Spanish company. And yet we here in Ireland, we have to get insurance from an Irish company. And I know that frustrates a lot of people. I don't know the explanation for it, but I know a lot of people get annoyed by it. And Noel says, morning, Patricia, with regards to insurance. I'm not that tech savvy, but what I do is I use a brokers in McCroom. Corrigan's and the name of the brokers. Any income 
increases any year very very low and actually some years the price actually goes down they make sure that I have the same cover every single year you have to watch out for the smallest print especially when it comes to insurance companies kind regards uh, says uh, Noel thank you for that Noel and actually Peter Boland said the same thing I mean if you are tech savvy and you do have the broadband it is worth your while going online shopping around or calling them it can take some time but listen it'll be money it'll be time well spent because you will save yourself money but Peter Boland did say that to use brokers there's some really good brokers around as well uh, for sure so that's a good piece of advice stay safe uh, Noel 1850 Three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. It's Wednesday, so Peter Dowdell will be joining us after half past twelve today. If you have a question for Peter, uh, get it in. A lot of commentary coming in. I will get to that after news at uh, twelve. But let's uh, take a break. You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Court today on C one zero three with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your two eleven Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming in on car insurance. William Bantam. So I had an insurance policy via a broker. It was for car insurance. It was for my wife. We cancelled it 10 months into the 12 months of the policy. At the time, says Willie, I was setting up home insurance policy and the broker said, look, I'll get the refund from your car insurance and we'll put that off the price of the premium for your home insurance policy. However, when they came back, they said they got onto the insurance company and the insurance company wouldn't give a refund as it was so near the end of the policy, which is just mean is it not but uh, Willie says just to make people aware of that you think you might get a refund but if it's towards the end of the policy it looks like not all insurance companies are going to go for that some of your texts uh, coming in to us en masse because um, we're trying to find out because of the pieces in the paper today of one parish in Kerry who's decided to go online I don't know how many here in Cork across our two dioceses of Cloyne and Cork and Ross I don't know how many are opting to go online and have a virtual mass over Christmas and some priests deciding to do that so as not to have not to disappoint any of the parishioners if they come to the door and you're not going to be uh, allowed in. A listener says, I heard you talking about Mass. I was at Mass in Formoy and they said there were 700 tickets in total for all of the different Masses that they're going to be uh, put on. But when the priest announced it from the altar at Mass on Sunday, he said no point applying because they're all gone. He also asked people, please don't turn up unless you have the ticket. And that's where I foresee some of the problems that you may get people turning up and it's going to put students and others in a very, very awkward uh, position for sure. 1850-333-103 with what's going on in the North and the Health Service in the North. A couple of texts in on uh, that. Uh, somebody can't believe the situation that's happening uh, in the north. Uh, I watched the news last night, says Mick, couldn't believe what I, what I saw, watching people being treated for COVID inside in uh, an ambulance. Uh, Mick, not happy with Sinn Féin, they're in power, and yet they're down here in the south shouting about the health service. Look what's going on in the north. But then Sandy has a different take on it. Thanks for that, Mick. Sandy says, as far as I'm aware, the health minister is, the, is a member of Ireland 
Fine Foster's party. They are the ones who vetoed the continued closure of pubs and restaurants etc in the north. The government of Northern Ireland is also, people have to remember, under the rule of Boris Johnson's party. They're not independent and they must conform. It's similar to school principals and school boards here in the south who must obey the Department of Education. They're the ones who insist on a school, even a school with high numbers. We spoke about the one uh, in County Mayo this week. Uh, They must remain open and also they don't give details to the parents if an outbreak uh, occurs. So you point the finger blame but sometimes there's nothing that the people in power can do. There's people over their heads I think is the point that Sandy is making. Thank you for that uh, Sandy. And thank you Mary Teresa who sent in a lovely text to say she got one of our Get Up and Go diaries that uh, we gave away and I'm assuming by the text that she's just received it and I know others have been on because all of them have gone out in the post but as we mentioned earlier there are delays with posts so if you did win a book or a diary with us bear with bear with the postal service please hopefully the books will arrive in plenty of time for uh, Christmas and just on posting Margaret says Patricia I sent a card to Dublin last Wednesday the birthday was for Sunday Laura got her card on Monday Laura was delighted with her card delay wasn't a problem just posted to the UK yesterday I wonder when our Joan will get her Christmas card happy Christmas to all at C103 God bless uh, says uh, Margaret well hopefully Joan will get it in time for Christmas but you listen don't we all we all receive at least one or two Christmas cards after Christmas they always arrive and it's just the fact that you know people are thinking about you I think that's the important one but then listen to Mary Mary says Hi Patricia I posted a parcel to San Francisco on the 3rd of December and they had it on the 12th that's really good going by everybody in Impost getting it out of the country and then getting it to the States and in America their postal service under the same kind of pressure that we're on here but that really is good going uh, well done on that one and Liz says Impost made a cock up by closing Little Island and they're not going to admit it well when we got on to Impost this morning about that and we cited Little Island uh, they say nothing at all the the delays that are being experienced at the moment is to do with the amount of post that they are dealing with 3.3 million that's just parcels they're dealing with at the moment so no matter I suppose they're, 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 and they couldn't have foreseen that that was going to happen but they say it's nothing to do with it but a lot of people here in Cork feel will agree with you Liz and feel it has got a lot to do with it it's just making the situation worse just staying on masses hi Patricia none of my five adult children and their families go to mass during the year yet they'll still parade all of their family to Mass at mid, for Midnight Mass at Christmas. I think it's not fair on regular Mass goers and I wonder have you said that to your five adult children? Have you said how you feel about it? And the, a number of people will agree with you on that and there are people who only go, literally only go to church once a year. They'll be seen inside in the church during the year if maybe there's a wedding on or if there's a family communion or confirmation on or there's a baptism but they will only go to Mass uh, once a year and they go at Christmas and I know when one we'd I think it was Father Tim Hazelwood when I asked him about that when I was speaking with him when we were discussing what was likely to happen over Christmas and somebody sent in a very similar comment saying is it not unfair that people who only turn up at the church for Mass at Christmas should they not for this year say look we won't go to make sure that the regular 
churchgoers, the ones that go week in, week out, to make sure that they have a seat and to make sure that they get a ticket. And when I put that uh, to Father Tim, he said no. He said, look, they welcome all. And even if it is people who only come uh, once a year, he feels they are as welcome into the church as anybody else. And I thought, and I actually said it to him, I thought it was really Christian of him to say that. But I have, I would be with this listener in that I have sympathy for the for the regular mass goers, the people that go every single Sunday and for whatever reason haven't applied for a ticket, maybe didn't know they needed to apply for a ticket and they're going to lose lose out. I, I certainly feel if you are somebody who only goes to Mass once a year, then this is the one year that you should decide to forgo it, watch it online and let somebody who goes every single week, let them have the seat. And remember, all of the churches will be open over Christmas for private prayer and they'll be open, you know, to allow people because if you've got children, people like to bring them maybe to see the crib, you know, that that will still happen. But maybe leave the seats that are in the church for the actual physical masses, leave it to the people who go the most. 1850-333-103. Maybe I'm wrong in my thinking, but that's uh, that's my thought, Pastor. Your thoughts are welcome. Now, on ghosting, still getting a number of calls in about the ghosting that we spoke about earlier, this really very dangerous practice that's happening. It seems to be young people, it seems to be teenagers in the main who are ghosting motorists. The prank involves somebody lying down in the middle of the road with a sheet over them, causing oncoming cars to stop or take notice. And then the idea is that they've got friends filming the reaction of the driver and then they want to upload it onto social media platforms in the hope that it will go uh, viral. Uh, but we've had the case that we mentioned earlier of one young girl who didn't get out of the way in time and ended up in hospital, spent a few days in hospital was minor injuries but she had to spend several days in hospital and what what a waste of a hospital bed uh, as well some of your thoughts on that Paula says Patricia that ghosting that you were talking about earlier is absolutely horrific now Paula makes an interesting point what if it was an elderly person who was driving and they got such a fright that they had a heart attack or something it's absolutely shocking if I thought says Paula that my young nieces or nephews were getting involved in that I won't tell you what I do to them, says uh, Paula. And a West Cork listener says, if I hit an idiot lying in the middle of the road, I'm telling you now, my dash cam will do the talking. If if caught people, it's already caught people dumping rubbish who were throwing rubbish out through their car window. Dash cam was on. I recorded them the other day and I've taken the film footage to the Gardaí, says a West Cork uh, listener. And dash cam is proving to be yeah, the Gardaí themselves often when there's crime have come out and asked us to put out a call if there's anybody out there with dash cam uh, footing, uh, footage so definitely for this ghosting if you have a dash cam have your dash cam uh, switched on and somebody else says listening to your talk on ghosting we were driving out of Skibbereen one afternoon and two youths walked out in the middle of the road and we had to stop the car. One then jumped up onto the bonnet and the other was standing at the passenger door. It went on for about five minutes and then he eventually jumped off and they both ran away having a good laugh. I thought maybe they were high on something. Not quite ghosting, but just, yeah, just giving you the fright of your life uh, as well. It's a pity you didn't have dash cam footing. It would be nice to have gone to the Gardaí with that and see could the Gardaí do anything with it. And actually, somebody else has a great story about Colm in Butterfield. It could have been ghosting, I suppose. It could have been, a pr- it's a prank anyway. He says it started um, in an area called Stream Hill, 
which is on the road between Donnerail and Buttevant. And he said it was back in the early 1950s, Colm heard about this. There was a man going around with a sheet over him and he would jump out of the ditches trying to scare the living daylights. You know what, of anybody walking home. And back in the 1950s, there would have been a lot of people walking home from the pub or walking home from the shops or just people out evening time. You can imagine on a dark evening, the fright you'd get. Now, he was doing it as a bit of a prank and to have a, have a bit of a laugh. Anyway, he was out one night and there happened to be two men out hunting in the same uh, area and he decided to jump out frightened the living daylights out of the two guys didn't realise that one of them or that both of them had guns with them that they were out shooting and he actually ended up one guy got such a fright he left off a shot and aimed it at the guy dressed as a ghost he could have God, the guy could have been killed. He was shot and injured, but he, he did survive. But and, and I take it, Colm, if you know the gentleman in question, he never did it again after that. But he got, yeah, cautionary tale. For, but that was from the 1950s. I don't know how many people are going around with guns uh, today and if that would happen today. But the similar thing is if somebody gets hit by a car and gets killed... That's that's when we'll be talking about ghosting in a very different light. A Mary, word of warning to people, got a call from Amazon yesterday on her landline. She said, I don't have an Amazon uh, account. So she knew straight away it was a scam. They were asking her to give, they, to give details of her account and asking her to press one for details. She said she knew immediately it was a scam, but just to warn other listeners, because a lot of people do have Amazon accounts and a lot of people tied in with what we were talking about with delays with the post. A lot of people are waiting on parcels from Amazon. So you may think when you get a call from Amazon that it is genuine. Be very careful, folks, when you are answering a call. Uh, make sure you know that it is genuine. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. Ballygarvin Camogie Club are calling on people to support their amazing girls from under six through to seniors and their coaches by please buying a ticket for the Ballygarvin Camogie Club Christmas draw. You can look at the prizes and buy your tickets through a link on Ballygarvin Camogie Club Facebook page. And due to COVID restrictions, the Garda Band cannot visit schools, nursing homes and community groups this year, but they are putting on a virtual music concert. It'll be available every Friday at 12 noon and it's on their Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash on Garda Siakona. And a book featuring images from the Musgrave region from 1983 to 1989 is now on sale. It's priced at 20 euro and it's available throughout the Musgrave region. All proceeds are going to McCroom Tidy Towns Riverbank Project. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. And a couple of texts coming in when I mentioned that I feel that people should give the seats in the church to those that go to Mass every Sunday, not the people who only go to Mass on Christmas Day to make room for those that go all the time or much more throughout the year. A couple of people are pointing out to me that there are some parables that I should be remembering. Well, Meg says, what about uh, remember the lost uh, sheep? And someone else says, where is it gone? Um, the, the prodigal son comes to mind, says uh, Frick. So, yeah, listen, and that 
Father Tim when I spoke to him about it he did say that everybody's welcome in the church except this year everyone's not going to be welcome to come into the actual church because there won't be room for everyone and that's the real unfortunate uh, thing. Uh, Hi Patricia I don't want you to give out my name but I'm doing Santa for people it's difficult with COVID but I don't charge families because they have enough on their plate at the moment but I've heard of other companies who are charging extraordinary amounts of money Christmas is for small children and big kids too not to take money from people who can't uh, afford it so somebody who dresses up as uh, Santa Claus which is a nice kind thing and really kind to think that you're doing it without uh, charging people well done to you keep your questions coming in for Peter please I can see questions coming in because he'll be joining us in a couple of minutes uh, 1850 John Paul has taken the cause he's on his own though so if you want to get a gardening question in by text it's easier uh, come straight to me here at the studio 0862103103 and John Paul says the biggest amount of calls that he has taken this morning has been with regard to Catherine's old time recipe book that I mentioned yesterday the little book that Catherine Ross Murphy has put together herself she's just printed it it's a little homemade little book of recipes that she learned from her mother and recipes that she learned from the nuns in the schools that she went to in uh, Dunmanway the primary school in Dunmanway and the secondary school in Dunmanway and sort of all the recipes she's learned in home economics actually somebody made the point uh, they were thinking about it saying the recipe book that you mentioned yesterday Patricia what comes to mind is the uh, All in the Cooking remember it was reprinted a couple of years ago and we fantastic fun with that All in the Cooking was the cookbook that people who did home economics at secondary school in the 80s 70s and 80s wasn't it would remember and they brought it back out again last year do you remember that and there was great fun about it yeah so uh, Catherine's is a much smaller little book, little book than that but the recipes yes they will be similar to the recipes you would have found in that book uh, for sure uh, but lots of people are still on about where how much is the book the book is, is a tenner and um, she's Catherine's giving half of the proceeds to uh, Vincent Paul in uh, McCroom and it's on sale it isn't an e-book. You can't get it online. You can't go to Amazon. You can't go to a bookshop and order it online. You've got to physically go to either McCroom or Clondrohit. That's where it's on sale. Matt Murphy's chemist has it. Supervalue in McCroom. Computech in McCroom. Healy Spar in Clondrohit. Lynch's Bakery in McCroom and BU Hair Salon in uh, Clondrohid and she's getting a huge reaction uh, since we mentioned it yesterday which really is terrific and as I say we just wanted to try and give a bit of a plug to, and this is a really Catherine's book is literally she's producing it herself she's not even going to the printers with it she literally is printing it off and making it up herself it's a little homemade little book of old time uh, recipes and another fantastic book that comes out every single year and I've just received a copy of it today is the book the Mallow Field Club Journal it, this is book number 38 so they've been producing these every year for the last 38 years it's put together by the Mallow Archaeological and Historical Society and it's one of those books you'll sit down over the full year and dip in and out of and read different stories from it it's just always beautifully written there's always gorgeous photographs in it and there's just some fascinating articles every year you'll find articles believe me that, that will really interest you I mean this year's journal 
journal contains things like the raid on Mallow Barracks, the Black and Tans in Mallow. It also looks back 100 years ago, extracts from newspapers from 1920. And I'm always fascinated by newspaper articles from, from years gone by because it just, it sets in time, time how different the world was. And my God, when in 100 years time, please God, our future generations will be looking back on what we lived through in 2020, but to look back on what people in in our own neighbourhoods lived lived through in 1920 is really really different. Uh, so that's that book is on sale. Like she was in Philip's bookshop on Saturday, and I actually saw it on sale there. So that's the Mallowfield Club Journal for this year, priced at uh, 15 euro. And as I say, it is the the 38th edition. They bring it out every year, and I'm sure at this stage it must be almost a collector's piece. I'm wondering, are many do many people have every single edition of it? I'm I'm sure there probably is, and people kind of pass them on through the generations, and somebody else then takes over the buying of them. And it's lovely to have every single edition of it. So good luck to everybody involved in the Mallow Archaeological and Historical Society. They put a lot of work into producing that book year in, year out. Latest edition now on sale. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break and we are back with uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com. If you have a question, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. This is the. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Court Today Replay on C103. I'm Peter Dowd of theirishgarder.com joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. I was just going over, Trish, to make myself a cup of coffee when I heard you say, and joining me after the break is Peter. So I said, I better sit down <laughs> and not move. <laughs> and did you not get your cup of coffee? I'll have one in 20 okay. minutes. <laughs> All right. OK, let's get, there's a lot of questions. So let's get straight uh, into them. Uh, somebody wondering, and I know this came up a couple of weeks ago again, do you bring in the geraniums for the winter? I have them in pots, so I would be able to get them inside uh, where ideally should I store them over winter? 
uh, yes, you should bring them in over winter. And like we've had one or two cold spells. Now they weren't they weren't prolonged cold spells, but we did have uh, negative temperatures on a couple of nights. So so I would get them in sooner rather than later. Uh, ideally, it, it's somewhere like a glass house or a polytunnel if you have such a thing. Uh, it doesn't have to be a heated glass house. Uh, just just protection from the frost is all they need. If you don't, even a garden shed or, or, or a carport or a garage, just to give them that that protection from the frost. But they will need um they will need to get natural light. They can't go into somewhere that's completely dark. So they will need some natural light during the winter. Uh, but just protection from the frost. But yes, I would be doing it now. Okay. Email in saying hello, Peter. When is the best time to cut back overgrown hedges? I'm trying to cut them to fence level, which is about six feet and similar with other overgrown mature trees when is the best time to do that job you see it's it's not just one one catch-all answer to that it's it, it does depend on the shrub whether they're spring flowering or summer flowering and whether whether they bury or not and whether they're and whether they're deciduous or evergreen so i can't just give a, a simple answer for all of them i'm afraid and the other thing is cutting a hedge back to to six feet You'd need. You'd also need to know what what the what height the hedge is now. So, in other words, if it's only seven or eight feet and you want to cut it back to six feet, then that's fine. But if it's, for example, if it's twelve or fourteen feet high and it's really gone out of control, well, then bringing it back to six foot in one go might be might be too much for it. It mightn't mightn't tolerate that severe a haircut, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and the other the other thing is, if it's a conifer hedge uh, or an evergreen hedge, or well, a conifer one, you would. Um, you wouldn't be able to bring it down that far because it will just be brown on top and it'll stay brown on top. So there's a couple of things you need to look at in that. But like with most deciduous plants, and particularly if they're summer flowering, uh, you could cut them back now anytime between now and February. That's probably about as general an answer as I could give. With an evergreen, like a conifer one, I would wait till the other side of the winter. I would wait till February before I did it. Okay. Uh, Hi, uh, Peter. Um, If liquid... Amber straflu fluor trees. You were you were you were going to struggle on that one now. In I fairness, was, it's a difficult yeah. one. Li- liquid amber styraciflua. Styraciflua. Uh, can those trees be pruned if they grow too big? And are the roots very w- widespread? The reason Bridget is asking is I've just purchased two, and I've now read that they shouldn't be placed near walls, footpaths, etc. Happy Christmas to you. Well, the, for Bridget, she's made a good choice with trees because the liquid ambers are really sensational. They give fantastic autumn colour. Uh, the, the, the common name is sweet gum, or I think it's sweet gum is the common name, but they're, they're, you, you could confuse them with an acer or a maple. They give fantastic red autumn colour. Um, the, planting them near a wall or a footpath is kind of general advice really for any tree, to be honest with you. They're not... So the answer to the first part of the question, can you prune them back if they're growing too big? Yes. OK, and now is the time that you would do that. Obviously, you won't have to worry about it this year. Um, but I'd be more concerned about the root disturbance under the ground. So I wouldn't go too close to a wall. No, you'd, you'd, I certainly wouldn't plant a tree like that within. I would. We've lost technology again, leaving us down. OK, we will patch a call through and uh, put Peter on at the phone instead. Apologies uh, there for that. Uh, it does give me a chance to say, Liam in Passage West says, Patricia, would you please let your listeners know if they're getting a disability benefit? I imagine this is for all social welfare payments. Uh, I was paid, you get paid for one week today and the two week, the double week over Christmas, it will be paid next week. That's next uh, Tuesday. Thank you, William, for that. Peter's back on the old traditional phone. Uh, good afternoon to you. You're back with us. Air broadband Technology again. Technology <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you were offering advice on... So, liquid amber. Yeah. So I was saying that uh, 
excuse me, <coughs> the beautiful tree, but yes, you would. It's kind of a general advice for, for any tree not to go too close to a wall or a footpath. So I wouldn't, I'd certainly go at least 12 feet from a wall. You wouldn't necessarily have to go 12 feet from the footpath, but from a wall, yes. Um, but I, I would also say, like I did say, I don't know if you caught it before we were cut off, that, uh, uh, you can prune back the liquid amber. Yes, you can prune back nearly all deciduous trees, but you are giving yourself a, a job of maintenance. I'm always more inclined to plant the right plant in the right place and, and not to have to prune it. So if you have somewhere that you could let it show itself off and not need to be pruned, so much the better. But the answer to the question, yes, you can prune it if you want to. Uh, and provided you're 10 feet, I would say, 10, 12 feet from a wall, uh, and maybe six or eight feet from a footpath, you should be safe enough. Okay, a listener says, I used Mobacter for moss on my lawn. I did it twice this year and it simply didn't work. Right, well, Mobacter, it's not a product I use. I don't have much experience with it, but I, I know uh, it does need a certain temperature to work. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head what that is, but I know the soil temperature needs to be particular temperature as it just won't work and you are wasting your time and money I do use the Lawn Gold as you know because I mentioned it many times in your program it's an Irish product that I find I find successful I've been using it for several years and because it it works in a kind of back to basics principle that by all by maintaining the optimum pH if you like for grass growth which is slightly alkaline you're creating conditions then which moss can't tolerate and if you do like lawns are high maintenance whether you like it or not lawns there's nothing else in the garden that needs as much maintenance as a lawn it needs to be cut once a week and then it needs it needs to the, the to, to maintain it moss free you really need to treat it about three times a year uh, and with something like lawn gold it's they've developed it that it you have a spring feed a spring lawn gold a summer one and a winter one um and by doing by using them they will work because you're giving them the correct nutrients like for now for you know december you're it's a high potassium food which is doesn't lead to good grass growth, but at least a very good root development, which is what you want. Because to use their own marketing speak, if you like, uh, the best the best way to prevent moss growing or weeds growing in lawn is with good grass growth. But it does require diligence. Yeah, and if you put the time and effort in, like a really good lawn looks fantastic. Oh, it's one of the, the greatest. No, I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I probably shouldn't, but I actually don't mind moss on the lawn. Do you not? Okay. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're like me. But, I like the daisies. Yeah, I like the daisies too. Yeah. But yes, if you do want to keep it moss free and weed free, don't blanket bomb it with chemicals because it's absolutely just unacceptable nowadays. Yeah. Um, but but do it. It will take a bit a bit of uh, persistence. But lawn gold is what I've used over the last number of years, and I do find it very successful. Okay, Paul Mary has a problem with her gold king holly bush. It's losing all its leaves from about halfway down. Top half is fine, is actually covered in berries, and she's now fearful. Will it will it lose all the leaves? It very possibly will. Unfortunately, hollies throughout the country for the last God knows how many years now have been suffering a thing called holly leaf blight. You know, it's a fungal infection, Trish. Um, and the way she's describing it is is the way it happens. Well, it, it doesn't always start at the bottom; it could start at the top, but it works its way through the plant. Um, I suspect it probably will. Is the bad news travel to the rest of the plant? Um, my advice would be this, and it's. It, Leave the berries there now for enjoy enjoy them over Christmas and let the birds feast away in them. But then come kind of March time, I would cut back the good growth, so cut back from the top in to try and strengthen the plant. Uh, treat the whole plant, certainly the root system, but as much of the plant as is practical uh, with the solution of copper sulfate and, and water. That's a good um, organic uh, or organic broad spectrum fungicide, which you know, will hopefully control it. I would feed the plant then as well, just to strengthen it with something like the Nature Safe Liquid Seaweed. 
Um, and finally, and this isn't always practical either, but as, as, as much as you can, remove any debris from around the base of the plant, remove any infected leaves or infected stems, so you're removing any signs of the infection, any traces of the infection, and, and, and dump them. Uh, you know, it probably will come back, but you will need to take action. You will need to do these things. And, and you're hearing about it a lot. It's happening to a lot of holly bushes, isn't it? It is happening. It's happened, it's particularly over the last few years, it seems to be not out of control, but it's, it's widespread, certainly. And they're native Irish trees. Well, they are, and hollies are, are a particularly important one in terms of biodiversity because they sustain myriad of insect life and, and uh, obviously birds, particularly the thrushes, during, during the, the winter months. Yeah, so, uh, and holly, the, the classic green holly, I like one that was, I hope, I think it's off, and I hope it's off, but I know it was on the... We're having problems. We're, 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 it's, and I, I don't want to blame us. I think it's Peter. Uh, unfortunately, he's in an area where the signal on his phone is uh, quite bad. Let's see if we can get it back on again because I do just have a few more questions uh, because I'm also conscious that this is our last chat with uh, Peter for 2020 because obviously we're into Christmas week next week and he won't be with us next week but I'm looking at John Paul and I think he's having problems uh, trying to it's like Peter's phone line has gone down has he got him back he does okay Uh, let's get Peter back on the line Uh, the gremlins uh, the gremlins are really working against us you're you're, you're back with us but yeah you're you're talking about the hollies and the native Irish hollies yeah I was saying that the native green one the Ilex aquifolium certainly was I think it might be off now but it certainly was on the endangered species list which is tragic to see that go yeah Mm, absolutely okay hi where can I get copper sulphate I've tried lots of hardware shops does Peter have any recommendations where I can buy it. You should be able to buy it in most garden centres. Uh, in a blatant plug for myself, you can buy it on my own website, theirishgardener.com. It's up there as copper mixture. If you search for copper sulphate or copper mixture on, on theirishgardener.com, you'll find it and I'll, I'll ship it out to you. Okay, and when we're talking about the liquid amber, Mike in Bantry says, I bought a liquid amber in a pot 30 years ago. It was a gorgeous colour, but when I planted it into the soil, it went green. How do I get the colour back? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a deciduous tree, Trish, but it is green during the spring and summer. It's during the autumn it gets this magnificent red colour. Now, that autumn colour is on any tree is determined by several factors. Number one, the levels of sun, sunshine. Well, sorry, that's probably not number one, it's number two or three, but level of sunshine. It's a full sun to get good autumn colour, but it's also dependent on the soil, the nutrient levels in the soil and the different... Um, different pigments then produced in the, the leaf because the leaves are green, which is the chlorophyll, but uh, as that dies off, as the tree slows down in the autumn, the other pigments like carotene and things like that, which give the orange and red colours, come to the fore and that's dependent on the nutrient levels of the soil. But I'd say it's most likely, the, or sorry, very possibly a, a question of sunlight. They do like to be in a good sunny position to get good autumn colour. Okay, Hannah is looking for suggestions what to put in. She's got a new tunnel and uh, she wants to plant something, either seeds to sow or plants. What would you recommend? Well, I wonder, does she mean edibles? Or if it's edibles, you could certainly be trying things like um, lettuce and that. We can grow throughout the winter in a tunnel and they're, they, they're brilliant because lettuce, like you just go from seed to your plate in about six or seven weeks. They're a great value one to grow because they're so quick. You could also, if you wanted to grow, you, you could grow... Um, you could start growing asparagus and things like that in the tunnel. They'll grow outside as well, but if you wanted, you could, you could put them inside. If you're looking at, at uh, ornamental and flowering plants, uh, I would certainly start off your hardy annuals, which are your, your plants that will, will be one year only, but they'll give the summer colour next year. Uh, things like sweet pea, busy lizzies, even petunias. By starting them indoors now in the tunnel, 
it means you'll have stronger plants earlier next year, so you'll have better performing plants next year. And of course, starting them from seed now, which will cost you only a couple of euros per packet, um, versus a few euros per plant in the summer, it makes huge economic sense. Absolutely. And Helen wants to know, is now the time to move a copper beech tree? Uh, thanking you. Okay, well, Helen doesn't say how old the tree is. So there is there is obviously an, an inherent risk in moving any mature tree or mature plant. So first things first, there, there is a risk you will lose it no matter what time you do it, depending on how old it is. It's only been in a few years that risk is lessened, obviously. But if it's five or more years, the risk increases. But the, 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 the answer to the question is, yes, you are in the right time of year to do it. Uh, it's once the temperatures plummet and the plant goes dormant, so once the trees have, have lost their leaves or at least gone brown. So between now and, let's say, the end of February is your window to do it. Get as big a root ball with it as possible. Don't leave it out of the ground for any length of time if you can avoid it uh, and straight into its new home. And then next year, to counteract the root damage that you'll do in the move, because you can't avoid damaging the roots, uh, soak it with water during next spring and summer. Really, really soak it. Keep it well soaked. Uh, and and then just, uh, as I always say, cross your fingers and pray to whatever God you believe in and, and hope for the best. OK, could Peter mention the Fastnet Area Beekeeping Association? We spoke with him a few weeks ago to promote a beginner course. It'll be a yes. nice Christmas present for somebody from Mary in the Wild West. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> uh, Mary in the Wild West, my apologies, because I forgot totally, and you did. The, the Fastnet Area Beekeepers Association are uh, are starting a bit of beginner beekeeping course I'm bringing it up here now in front of me uh, if uh, I can just find and, it and Mary is right That's what a lovely idea to give to somebody as a Christmas present to give it's them fantastic. the present of a beginner course on beekeeping yeah so the beginner beekeeping course starts in February the 17th next year so that's only about 8 weeks time uh, we're hoping to generate as much of a buzz about <laughs> bees in West Cork as we can uh, it would make a great Christmas gift um, and you know what uh, more and more people are interested in beekeeping now and in plants that will that will sustain the bees which is obviously essential uh, so yeah I mean brilliant Christmas present or if, if, hint hint if anybody well I won't go, go all the way down to fast I'm afraid for it but, uh, but if I was it's living in West Cork I would and it's, uh, Mary says it's online and on Facebook that's the Fastnet uh, Beekeeping Association good luck with that uh, Mary okay and a couple of people just want to say a huge thank you to uh, Peter for all your help all of your advice uh, during the year you have been uh, terrific okay so that's where we where we wrap it up for today and for this year Peter we'll talk to you again in the new year have a lovely Christmas Trish and to all the listeners and thanks a million many happy returns bye bye that is uh, the wonderful Peter Dowdle the irishgardener.com now a couple of texts and calls in on church going and I seem to have really put a cat amongst the pigeons when I was supporting other listeners in their views saying that if you're planning on going to mass on Christmas day this year should we not be leaving the seats available for the people, the regular mass goers, the people that go every single Sunday, the daily communicants. If there are there are even some people who do that, go to mass every day, uh, rather than people who only go to mass once a year. They only go with their family on Christmas Day. Should they not forego it this year and allow the people who go every Sunday to go instead? Not everybody's agreeing with me when I think you should forego it for the people who go every single Sunday. Nancy said those going every morning or indeed those going uh, every uh, week, but the people. People who only go once a year, maybe they would get something out of it. The people that go every Sunday, should the priests are only preaching to the converted, if they gave up the one Christmas this year and allow the people that only go once uh, a year, would it not be uh, better? I think it would be better for the people. They may get more out of it and it may then 
then who knows what they would get out of this one mass they may decide to return to the church and Dan says uh, Patricia I must say fair play to the priests in Mitchellstown they have masses at 6, 8 and 10 at midnight on Christmas Eve and then three masses on Christmas Day I, I have to say I really am taken aback by people giving details of various churches and various parishes throughout the county in particular where priests seem to be going above and beyond they'll be absolutely exhausted because in many of those parishes it's not that they have a lot of priests you know that they can all well I'll do two I'll do one today and one tomorrow many of the priests are, I'm assuming are doubling up and they're doing maybe more than one mass each day which is which is uh, terrific on their behalf. So uh, we, we wish them all uh, well with it. And another listener says, uh, Hi, uh, Patricia. My home place gave out tickets every week after Mass. So if you got a ticket, you could go back to Mass then. The next Sunday, you'd have a seat, obviously, for the f- following Sunday. But in my in, in my local church, that was... okay. That was in our home place, which is outside of Cork. Here in Cork, my local church did it by email and or else you could go on Facebook and log on. I thought this was very unfair, particularly on older people who might not be online. The rule too was the applicant had to be in attendance. This was at the home place. So you couldn't turn up and get a bust of tickets for everybody else. You could only get your tickets for yourself and it worked really well. That does sound like that was, but the listener just says the churches are doing their very best. They are indeed. I've just caught the clock. I need to go. Thanks to John Paul. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 and I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here, and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8, right here on C103. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.